Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to the interview edition of the TSN MMA Show. We have got a lot of interviews to get to. We're actually going to lead off with Bellator this week. We've got an awesome main event between Patricio Pitbull, the greatest fighter in the history of Bellator, in my opinion, taking on AJ McKee, perhaps one of the greatest prospects in MMA right now, if not the greatest prospect in MMA right now. I think that that, that would be fair to say, undefeated, and I believe that uh, he is one of the biggest challenges out there right now for Patricio Pitbull. As you could tell from the tournament, both these guys just breezed through the competition. I look forward to speaking with both of them this afternoon on the TSN MMA Show Interview Edition. And we'll also go to the UFC card. We've got an interview with Sean Strickland. And, uh, yeah, listener discretion is advised. We'll just say it this way, uh, or say it that way, rather, because Sean Strickland's an interesting cat, and uh, you're going to have to listen for yourself to hear the wackiness that is Sean Strickland. He's in the main event taking on Uriah Hall this weekend at UFC Fight Night. They're going to be on it around the same time, so uh, interesting to see how that timing will shake out. But uh, Bellator does have a pretty good card, but I, I think that that main event is really what's going to draw the eyeballs. We'll see if the uh, UFC card ends before that fight starts, which I, I think it probably will. But we'll have to see how that all shakes out timing-wise. Um, also on the card, for uh, fighting for the first time in just over two years, Nico Montano, the former flyweight champion of the UFC. She'll be taking on Wu Yanan, and I got to speak with Nico about her upcoming documentary that's coming out of the film festival that she has not seen, and she'll explain why uh, during this interview. Uh, always a pleasure speaking with all these great guests. If you didn't see the uh, press conference with uh, AJ McKee and Patricio Pitbull, you should probably go and watch it. It was uh, very, very interesting to say the least. But uh, let's get to the interviews. We'll start off with Patricio Pitbull, followed by AJ McKee, Sean Strickland again. Listener discretion is advised for Sean Strickland and Nico Montano. That's all coming up right now on the TSN MMA Show. Here's Patricio Pitbull. I'm now joined by the greatest fighter in the history of Bellator MMA and a top 10 pound-for-pound fighter in the world, Patricio Pitbull, taking on AJ McKee this weekend. What do you think a win over AJ McKee would prove, Patricio? Uh, There's a lot of things in my mind. We know... Uh, AJ is a young young fighter. He is very confident. But I am I have uh, experience, and I'm very confident about doing this fight. So it's going to make my legacy better. I believe in that. Legacy. My legacy. How good do you think your legacy can be all time? Do you think that you'll be looked upon as one of the greatest ever? Mm, I am. I'm now. I'm. I. I don't think about that. But now I know I am like ten years uh, fighting against guys that I, I beat everyone. So at that, perdi, eu bati de volta. Dentro de dez anos, ninguém faz isso. So in ten years, I've been. I've been facing top-ranked guys, and even the ones that were able to beat me, I beat them back. So 10 years in the highest level with great opponents, not everyone is able to do that. Now, uh, some fighters have become uh, double champions before. They've won in in two divisions like yourself. You're the featherweight and the lightweight champion. And then uh, someone who you trained with, Henry Cejudo, is a double champion and a gold medalist. But I think if there's anybody that can become a three-division champion, whether it's uh, featherweight, lightweight, and bantamweight, that you would be somebody who could possibly do that. Is that something that you've thought about? Uh, I thought about that, but I don't know if we have time to do it. Uh, as everyone knows, I have to defend the lightweight division, the lightweight belt. And it's possible. I asked for that and I had a conversation with Bellator but there's many things happen in this moment so we, we have to, to to wait and see what is going to happen first 
I let you about if it happen I gonna ask again for this fight would you be able to make 135 pounds comfortably it's not going to be easy but I believe I can make it this weight because to me I believe that if you became a three division champion it would be hard to look at you as anything other than one of the all-time greats uh, in this sport nobody has ever done that before so is that something that you really would like to accomplish yeah, it's a big challenge for me. You know, it's uh, several cutting weight. And I'm, I go, I'm gonna, with, if this happened, I'm gonna make history. And it's a good thing to, to think about it. As you get older, it will likely be more difficult for you to make that weight. Is that something you also think about? I'm gonna speak Portuguese. I don't know how to speak English. Bom, apesar de todo aparato que temos na equipe, né? Tem o nosso cientista Chicão, mas a idade vai deixando o corte de peso cada vez um pouco mais difícil. A gente tem feito do jeito certo, mas é inevitável que o corpo sinta essa tecida, né? Anos e anos faltando peso. Então, realmente, eu acho que o meu maior desafio para isso acontecer é o, é o corte de peso. Mas não tem como a gente, não, a gente fazer história sem sofrer, né? Todo cara que fez história, ele, ele, ele teve que se fuder. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. Although we have a, a very good structure and a very good nutritionist in our team, Chicão. Uh, as you said, with age, things become tougher to cut weight. Your body responds in a different way. So I believe that to achieve that triple champion thing, the most difficult thing would be the weight cut, but you can't make history without suffering. So we would be ready for that. Now, with this fight against AJ McKee, he's undefeated right now. Do you think that that might actually be a bad thing? That he has kind of an air of invincibility going against somebody as good as yourself heading into this fight? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, a long time ago, I was undefeated. And I was very confident like him and i know it's it, it's good some some sometimes but it's gonna be a, a mistake too so i'm going to uh make him be defeated for the first time he had said recently that you mentioned it was going to be a second round submission he doesn't feel that you are going to actively try to wrestle with him, and he feels like he's going to be better than you on the feet. Is that something that uh, you you think he's wrong about? I am not going to try to do rest against him. He's going to try to put me on the ground. I know he's very close. I know he's going to commit some mistakes. And it's about patience. I'm very confident, calm. I know, I know that. So I believe I put me on the ground because you're going to commit some mistakes standing and I'm going to finish here. As I said, he has a long neck. He certainly does. He's very tall for the division. Uh, so you, you definitely have that correct. Um, now with AJ, he's only 26 years old. Do you think that one day he will be a champion? Uh, you know, maybe five, six years down the line? Probably, but in that time, I'm going to be retired. With AJ, he has a prediction that he's going to beat you this weekend and then he's going to face you for the lightweight championship belt. Is that something that if, for whatever reason, he is able to win this weekend, that's a, is that something that you would consider at 155 pounds? There is no plan B. I don't think about it. And finally, do you look at this as the biggest fight in the history of Bellator? You've got a, an undefeated prospect like AJ against one of the greats in the sport right now and yourself. Uh, I fought against Michael Chandler. That was a great challenger and a big fight too. And now, at the moment, AJ McKee uh, is my next opponent. He, his debut was in Bellator. I have a big history here and now we're gonna face each other i believe that's a, a big one too so i'm very excited for that 
But I know I'm going to win. I'm going to defend my belt. And let's see. Well, the stakes are high. You've got the featherweight championship on the line, a million dollars on the line. It's the main event this weekend between Patricio Pitbull and AJ McKee. Thank you for joining me, Patricio. Thank you to uh, Mateus Aquinas for his uh, translation. Uh, obrigado, and I hope you have a great day. Best of luck this weekend. Appreciate it, my friend. Thank you very much. I'm now joined by a man who was one of the greatest prospects in MMA, now one of the top fighters in MMA, and the son of Canadian MMA royalty, the first MFC lightweight champion, Antonio McKee. This is AJ McKee, and he's uh, got the biggest fight of his career ahead of him this weekend against Patricio Pitbull. So were you ever in Canada early on, uh, you know, in your life when your father was the champion uh, out, out west no. in Canada? No, I never got the visit, man. I always wanted to. I was looking forward to it, but... Uh... Things ended up falling short with uh, him fighting out there, but hopefully uh, I'll get to come out there and put on a show myself one day. Well, hopefully for your sake it's in the summer because, you know, Canada, being out in Edmonton and Calgary in the winter, I'm sure your dad would tell you was not a lot of fun. Hey, I'm a snowboarder, so I like the snow. I don't mind it. <laughs> well, there you go. Then you should be okay. You'll embrace it. You can get, get out to Banff, Alberta, and uh, check out some of the ski hills out there. So, Patricio Pitbull, this weekend, obviously a massive fight. Uh, do you believe Pit Pitbull's the greatest fighter in, in the history of Bellator, if you were to look at it objectively? Um, hands down. He, he's got a lot of accolades, a lot of accomplishments, things I've wanted to uh, conquer and, and pretty much do my, within myself. Um, him being the champ champ, we're neck and neck on a lot of the streaks in the division. So um, definitely, I feel like this, this fight definitely should go down, go down for pound for pound, one of the best fighters in Bellator. And not not only just Bellator, man. He's he's an outstanding athlete. I give him nothing but respect. Um, I've been following his career since I first stepped in the cage with Bellator. You know, he's been the champ since I first walked in that cage. So uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to going in there, doing what I do best, put on a show and, and dethrone him not once but hopefully twice back to back. Yeah, you you mentioned not just Bellator. I mean, I, I agree with that. I think that Pitbull is top 10 pound for pound in the world right now. He's just a phenomenal fighter. And, uh, and of course, so are you. I think that there's obviously a reason why this fight's happening. And I personally believe it to be the, the biggest fight in the history of the promotion. Would you agree with that? Definitely, hands down. I, I can't wait for it, you know. Um, he's been the reigning champ, like I said, for so long. Um, even even other organizations, man, from 1FC, UFC, PFL, um, I feel like we can go into any other organization and he'll hold his own and I'll come out victorious over all those guys as well. Um, and I just feel like going out there beating him in, his, in the stylistically fashion that I'm going to, um, it, it's going to show the world kind of like, okay, this kid's the truth, you know, and they're going to want to test me against other people. So hopefully we could, we could unify some belts and uh, see what, what happens from there. Well, you guys have run through this tournament. Uh, you know, I mean, both of you have run through each of your brackets. Was this fight basically a foregone conclusion to you when the tournament started? Um, definitely. I kind of knew it was going to be him and I in the end. Um, I, I didn't know what was going to happen, who was going to fight where. Um, when we had the selection, it kind of showed me a lot. I was looking to get like the third or fourth pick. So kind of getting the number one pick as soon as i got the number one pick it kind of reminded me like hey dude you're number one screw picking third fourth you know what i mean like you're number one let these guys pick around you and see who wants to fight you who really wants to be that champ and uh man everybody ducked and dodged me they hopped to the other side of the bracket he switched the bracket put all the young guys on one side smart as a champion but for me it, it uh it showed me a lot you seem to be very at peace with this opportunity. I mean, you're undefeated. The belt's on the line. A uh, million dollars on the line. I mean, there's just so much riding on this. I'm sure that your goals are to become a champion one day, to retire undefeated. All of that kind of hinges on this one fight, and it's against a guy that you told me earlier in this interview is the greatest fighter in the history of Bellator. How do you manage to maintain such composure this week? Um, this is the beginning, you know. This is the beginning of the beginning to me. I see this as the first stamp, you know, my father being a, a champion previously and so forth. Um, this is my first, my first kind of check mark in my uh, start, in, in my stardom. So uh, I don't feel like it's any pressure, you know. It's just like go do what you've been doing, you know. You you already know your walk, you know what you're capable of. Um, 
and I'm I'm just I'm real eager, you know. I want to go in there and get it over with already. Um, I wouldn't say it's nervous. I'm just I'm ready, man. We've we've put 22 years in in into this, you know, 20 year two years of training into creating this craft and just perfecting it inside and out. And um, now the moment's here, man. Like you said, a million dollars is on the line. My first world title. Um, I try not to pay attention to the money. Just because obviously it being such a substantial amount, it's it's a nice check. Um, it's a great beginning, um, and yeah, I just I'm 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 fixating myself on going out there and just beating him in a styly fashion that that people are gonna be like, man, oh he got lucky, and then and then it's gonna be like, all right, well cool, I got lucky, let's run it back for the next title, and then I do it again, and then people are gonna be like, wow, this kid's really just the truth. It's taking people a little bit too long to determine that, I feel. I, I look at who you've beaten. You've never beaten anybody with a losing record in your entire career. It seems like you're being matched up against guys that are at your level all the way along the way, and you're just destroying them in the first round. I mean, like Dominic Mazzotta, for example. You fought him pretty early in your career, and look at how good of a fighter this guy's uh, gotten to be. I think you beat him in less than two minutes. I mean, uh, when, when do you feel like you're finally going to get your due in this sport? Um, I feel like this fight, this fight is going to be like the welcoming home party for, for myself. Um, people are going to have no choice, excuse me, people are going to have no choice but to respect me after this, you know, um, following my father's career, I felt like he never really got the respect or recognition he deserved. So that's always kind of been key and motivation as well for myself to, uh, to just kind of put that stamp on our on our legacy as as last name for the last name McKee, and uh, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to, man. Is just continuing the legacy of champions and um, letting the world see who we are. I feel like all of the greatest fighters in this sport have a combination of fun and fundamentals. And what I mean by that is a lot of them have a lot of creativity. You see, uh, you know, the McGregors, Anderson Silva, uh, Jose Aldo early on in his WEC days just had so much creativity coming up. And John Jones, I think, especially early on in his run. Uh, you have a, a great amount of creativity as well. And I see that in your game, especially when you're on the, when you're on the mat. You do some things that you, you seldom see in uh, mixed martial arts fights. Where does that creativity come from? And, and how do you work on that and continue to grow that muscle in terms of your career? Um, I'd just say repetition, man, repetition, repetition, repetition. It's key. Um, being in the gym, I'm able to just kind of try new things, you know, and then get comfortable doing these new things until, like you said, they become muscle memory. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of a key. And I just, I have fun with what I'm doing. You know, I love it. I embrace it. I used to, I used to get tired of doing interviews and just like, now it's like you embrace it, you know what I mean? I've, I've done so many in probably the past week that it's like I couldn't even count. But it's like I'm embracing it. I'm enjoying it now, you know. I'm having fun with it. And I think that's a big key, you know. A lot of people look at it as, as a job, you know. And when it becomes a job, that's when it's not fun. So I found the passion in it. And uh, I, found, I've, I found just that drive, that love of creating the craft. Fight week's kind of easy, you know. I get to lay back, relax, you know, the interviews aren't too much. Um, I was talking about finding the passion and what I, and, and loving what I do again. Um, yeah, there was a time where, you know, I just, I was fighting because I had to fight because bills had to get paid and so forth. But, uh, now, you know, it's, it's finding that love, that passion for it, the art in it. Um, and yeah, man, it, it's, it's all come down to this moment. You know, it's been, like I said, 22 years have been built up for this very moment. So um, my father put his career on hold and just kind of has put everything into me so that I'm able to shine the way that I'm, I'm shining. And uh, yeah, it's all, it's all born. This is the first time I can say I've honestly seen my dad nervous, like all his fights and all the years, all of my fights, like this is the first fight. I'm like, Hey, like, I'm starting to just notice. He's like, you're braiding your hair. What are you doing different stuff for? Da, 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 da. I'm like, you're not even superstitious, bro. Like, what are you, you know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? So uh, just paying attention to the little things like that. Um, fight week's a little more subtle this week. Um, it's honestly, the hard work's over with, you know. It's cutting weight and uh, make sure I come in on, on, on that scale at 145 pounds and then rehydrate back up. Um, the press conference, obviously that's fun. I get to go talk some smack and, uh, 
and let the people enjoy some entertainment for a little bit. That's always a fun part, you know. Because at the end of the day, for me, there's no, uh, there's no ill feelings towards Pitbull. There's no hostility. But um, I've always had respect for him as a fighter. But uh, this is like a game of chess, you know what I mean? And he's a pawn at this point, standing in my way. So it's time to remove him from the board. And that's, you know, that's that's just how the game goes. Now, Patricio's uh, obviously got a brother who's had a very successful career in Bellator as well. You've got some brothers that are, are starting to make some moves in, a, in combat sports. Tell me a little bit about them. Man, I got a three-year-old brother who's who's already pulling arm bars, front headlocks, triangles. He actually did his first uh, heel lock about two, three days ago. He was just kind of sitting there messing around, and I'm like, oh, wow, like he's pulling to the leg. I'm like, hold on, wait, wait, wait. And then I start showing him little things. So, like, this, the third, fourth generation of fighters is where it's going to be phenomenal. You know, I got a 14-year-old brother as well, 15-year-old brother, puts both his feet behind his head. So, like, him being that limber, once he figures out where he's at position-wise for jujitsu, it's going to be night and day for him. Um, the good thing is the trials and errors of my father's career and then my career, we've been able to learn from those, you know. Me being a second-generation fighter and then obviously coming in at the pay scale I came in at, it's kind of an insult to my father, you know, being a, being a first-generation fighter, um, 1500 bucks, 1500 bucks, you know, when you see guys, Hoist Gracie, Randy Gatour, just other second generation fighters whose kids come in and they're making a nice substantial amount of money to be O and O. So that respect was never given to my father. And I feel like after I get done with the sport of mixed martial arts, man, my little brother, he's not going to have to fight, you know, he'll fight because he loves fighting and he wants to fight. And he won't be making 5000 10000 20000 He'll come in making six-figure checks. Why? Because of the legacy of not first-generation, not second-generation, but third-generation fighting. And um, that's, that's going to be the true, the true uh, plateau of the last name McKee because that little kid, you know, he, he's going he's gonna to surprise the world. I'm sure he'll beat my records being undefeated and – and my stats, you know, that's kind of what I gear towards is the stats, not just being undefeated, but out of 16 or 17 fights, 12 finishes, like five submissions, six submissions. Like, so he's going to look at that and be like, man, I got to beat all of those. You know what I mean? This many knockouts in the first round. He's going to look at all those and he's going to just want to plateau and, and kind of just beat everything I've set the bar for for him. Well, you're laying down a pretty impressive marker. Hopefully, I'm still covering the sport at the time. Hopefully, you're still undefeated. But we've got this weekend uh, as the immediate thing ahead of us yourself, Pitbull. It's this weekend on Saturday. A fantastic fight. Looking forward to it. And best of luck to you. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me. And I look forward to putting on a great show for you. He is undefeated at middleweight and looks to say that way this weekend when he faces Uriah Hall in the main event of UFC Fight Night. Has he been getting in rounds with uh, someone from my alma mater, Aaron Jeffrey, out in Las Vegas? How's that been? Oh, man, Aaron's a fucking man. I'm actually wearing his shirt. <laughs> wow. you know? Look at that. Yeah, no, he's a man, dude, and I'm such a dick. Like, with my training partners, most of them hate me, but, like, every day, Aaron just fucking, he steps up and he throws down with me. Yeah, no, he's the man, dude. He, he's uh, he's one of the few Canadians I like. I'm well, sure I like Canadians. Hopefully, you can add me to that list after this interview is done. But I know that it's, it's no. I right actually, now. no, I actually really like. I actually really like most Canadians I meet, besides uh, Justin Trudeau. That guy's an asshole. But other than that guy, you guys are all fucking great. I don't know how he happened. <laughs> I think you're burying the lead. You've met Justin Trudeau. You said every Canadian you've met. Yeah, no, I guess, I guess I've never met him, and hopefully that day never comes. We'll, we'll, we'll get out of the Canadian politics and we'll start talking, uh, talking business here. Uh, so Uriah Hall, this is a tough fight for you. This is uh, your first main event. Uh, but at middleweight, you've looked just phenomenal. What, was that, you know, was the weight cut something that was affecting you at 170 and, and that's why you decided to come back to 185? No, man. Um, after my motorcycle accident, it made running very difficult. Like I used to run, you know, my fight camps were... I was doing about six miles daily or every other day. And after I destroyed my knee, I mean, I could still run, but it just, it's just fucking hard. So it just, it wasn't really practical for me to go, you know, back down that weight class. So it's just a matter of not being able to do as much road work as you used to. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And then it kind of just worked out. You know, I found myself way more enjoyable. Like I enjoy life. You know, normally at this time at seventy, I would I'd be fucking starving, miserable. You know, life would suck. But eighty five, man, pretty happy. I can eat this morning. I had breakfast. It's nice. So what do you walk around at? What, around two hundred or something? Yeah, I usually um, completely out of camp. I'm like two twelve, and then um, about two hundred is like what I cut from. It's pretty. I find that be pretty standard for most middleweights. Besides Aaron Jeffries, that guy fucking he he always walks around with an eight pack. Yeah, he's pretty ripped. He's he's definitely pretty ripped. So he's he's training for the contender series right now. I guess that's in September. You're working with him on that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, he, uh, he was a man. He was my main training partner. So the moment I'm uh, done fighting, if nothing on him is fucking broken, I'll be back to help him out. Absolutely. Well, he's, uh, he's a great fighter. You're a great fighter. So it's good that the two of you are working together at Syndicate. How long have you been out in Las Vegas for uh, training at Syndicate? I, I know that you've moved there uh, for quite some time. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, uh, I've been going there for years. California, I love Southern California. It's just too fucking expensive. I mean, I mean, like, most fighters, they don't make that much money. So it's like you're asking them to pay exorbitant amounts of money and rent to work shitty jobs and then, like, balance a fight career. So I just found that there's no training partners, you know. And and if you're a if you're a if you're a top guy, most of your training partners are usually like the lower lower level fighters. So I, I just had to get out of that state. I just I couldn't get good workout. You're something of a legend out in Las Vegas, from what I understand. I've spoken to some coaches out there. You're always just looking for for uh, for rounds. You're looking to just get in rounds. But here's a story, and I I need to know if this is true. So a, a friend of mine who's a coach was out there, and he went to Starbucks to get a coffee. And the guy he spoke to had, uh, I guess, had, had done amateur boxing and said that you had asked him to come and train with him. Like, you would ask the guy from Starbucks, oh, the barista, to get rounds in with you. Is that true? I mean, hell, if he's a fucking boxer, man. I mean, I don't remember that, but if I meet somebody, they tell me he has, like, you know, an accreditation. I'll come in. It's actually a funny story. This one guy walked in the gym the other day. And I asked him, I'm like, hey, are you any good? And he was, like, looked at me like he was insulting. I know I'm asking you a serious question. He goes, I'm pretty good. And then, like, I'm like, oh, what's your record? He goes, three and three. I'm like, oh, you're not that good. And I walked away. And someone was, like, offended that I said that. I was like, like, if I didn't ask him that, and I, and I took his word for it, that he was good, and I sparred him, I would end up fucking hurting him because he did not want to be honest with who he was. <laughs> so you think I'm a dick, but I was actually really sparing his fucking brain some serious damage. I'm a nice fucking guy. I, I guess it's all perspective. Maybe you could have said, "Hey, what's your record?" You know, maybe. But but you know, you challenged his manhood a little bit. You said, "You said, are you any well, good?" No, and bad. I'm sure he thinks he's good. But he's not Sean Strickland. Good. Well, no. You're three, but, but, what do you mean? You know, I mean, you could you could think you're fucking good, but you're just gonna end up bloody on the floor with a concussion. So, I mean, you should change the way you fucking think or get better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair enough. I I think you did do him a favor. It's just he probably felt challenged. Oh, yeah. Nah, fuck it. Life's too short to be a little coward about life. Just fucking let it go, move on, get better. Well, absolutely. And you've, you've done that. You've looked great at middleweight. As I mentioned, you're undefeated at middleweight. Um, what are your aspirations in this division? Are you just looking to keep getting in work, or, or do you have, like, sincere uh, championship aspirations in the next year or two? I mean, I the, the same aspirations for everybody that goes to work. I'm looking to make fucking money. But, uh, Oh, man, I don't care. Like, yeah, would I love to fight for a belt? Fuck yeah, man. That would be like, that would be like the pinnacle of every MMA fighter's career, you know. And with Uriah, it kind of starts putting you, putting the pieces in line for you to get a title shot. You know, you beat Uriah, you're one or two fights away from a title shot. And I mean, it's, it's kind of a trippy thing, but I really try to just live in the moment when it comes to fights. I don't want to, I try not to think about the next fight of the fight. You know, I just... This is my task. This is what I got to focus on. And after that one, then we'll talk about it. Now, do you watch your fights back? Do you do you ever go back and watch them? Not really. Someone will post a clip of them. I'll watch them. I'm too critical of myself. I'm like, God, that guy fucking sucks, man. How'd you let him beat you? Well, one thing I'm always wondering about is whenever Bisping is calling your fights or calling a card that you're on, he always takes like these mini jabs at you. Do you have some sort of history with the former champ? Um... I've known Bisbing for years. Actually, I've known Bisbing as long as I've known Uriah Hall since I was like 18, 19. Bisbing was always kind of like the bully in the gym, you know. 
it's funny now I'm kind of like the bully in the gym, but he was a guy that you sparred. You're going to fucking fight. He trained super hard. He, he came at you, you know, like he was the round that you're going to fight. But, uh, I mean, Big Green's a fucking asshole, but he's cool, man. I like him. But again, he would say the same thing about me. So, you know, I guess I guess I think he'd say that he likes you or do you guys just like to, to bust each other? Is that what the deal is? is that the I, don't know Bisping, I, don't, I don't know if Bisping likes me. Maybe like a, a, a small mutual respect, you know? I like fucking Bisping. I think he's funny. He's clever. He's witty. He's not a guy you want to get an argument with. You know, you're going to end up just hitting him. With Uriah Hall, you said you've known him for years. How did that come about? When did you meet Uriah Hall and uh, what's your relationship? Yeah, I, met Uriah. I think I was like, nah, I lied. I was 18. I was probably like, probably like 20. 21, 22, before I got signed to the UFC, you know, that, it was cool, man. Ryan was always a cool guy. He was a he was a dangerous striker in the gym, you know. You'd watch him like, oh, man, that was a guy in the ultimate power that fucking knocked that dude out, you know. That was that was Ryan when he walked into gyms. And and what's your relationship like with him? Are you guys all ever friendly? Do you, have you sparred with him a bunch of times in the past? Yeah, it's funny. Um, he was the last person I sparred before I got in my motorcycle accident. Literally. My last round when I was driving, I got an accident. No, I do. I, I like Ryan. He's a fucking, he's a good dude. He, you know, he's a great striker. Fucking, yeah. You know, in this sport, you're going to fight people you consider friends. It's just how it goes. How did, what happened with your motorcycle accident? Was it just like a, a standard road accident? Tell me about how that yeah, happened and what your recovery was like. I was fine, man. Someone, someone pulled out in front of me and, uh, uh, just destroyed my knee. My kneecap was, they said my knee, they said I left bone on the road. My kneecap was just kind of like hanging out. Some shit was torn, but yeah, you know, it could be worse things in life. I could be blind in one. You seem like a pretty unbreakable guy though, in terms of your spirit and your mentality. Were there ever any doubts about you resuming your career after that accident? You just don't really like, here's the thing about life, man. You don't have a choice. Like, but what, like, what if life breaks you? Am I going to become an electrician? Am I going to start doing heroin on the street? Like, it's not really unbreakable. It's just like, how comfortable with you, how comfortable are you with you, like, sucking? You know, and it was just at the end of the day, it's like, well, hey, if I could walk, I could fight, you know? I'm not really that athletic anyways. So I just kind of stand upright, I throw jabs. Like, I continue to do that. <laughs> you just seem to have a very different mentality than a lot of people. You're very... I guess you're just very driven. I, I don't think you would you would say that about yourself, but it seems like you have a, a real a real drive to continuously get better and 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 work on your craft. No, it is. I love MMA. I just love it. It's like um, I was talking to a younger guy and his dad, and I was telling his, his dad that like I would never wish my life upon like anybody else. I was like, it's not it's not because it's bad. But imagine having one thought in your head on replay 24-7. 24-7. Yeah, I, I don't go to bed not a fight. I don't wake up not a fight. It's in the back of my head every single day of my life that I'm a fighter. And how to get better, I, I have to do this, I have to do that. It's almost like being being a fighter is like a, a small, small fucking personal hell in your head. You just, if you want to be the best, it has to consume you. It seems almost torturous, but I mean, at the same time, it also seems like, you know, it's it's something that you, you you know, because you think about it all the time, it's something that you just continuously look to get better at, but not because you have the drive to get better, just because of a love for it and uh, a need to improve constantly. Otherwise, you almost feel like you're failing yourself. You know, I was like made for this. Like I was, it's, it's not necessarily, I'm, I'm, I'm made for combat. Like you take Aaron. Aaron is an athlete. He's a great fighter. He thinks he does all these things, but Aaron wasn't designed for like Aaron was not designed for violence. He wasn't designed to be a sadistic motherfucker that likes to hurt people. And there's a lot of highly successful people in the sport that aren't that way. They just they're great athletes. But like me, like I'm a sadistic motherfucker that likes to hurt people. So it's not necessarily like oh MMA is something I have to try. It is so like it is so within my soul that it's just who I am. And MMA is just an outlet for that, you know? Well, you're 30 right now. You can probably do this for another 10 years. Is that what you're hoping to do? Do you, do you feel like you're going to be a little bit lost once this part of your life is over? No, fuck no, man, no. I mean, mind you, I don't drink. I've never drank. I've never done a drug in my life. 
But after I'm done fighting, dude, I'm going to move to a mountain somewhere. I'm going to do some drugs. I'm going to become a hippie. I'm going to vacate from fucking society. I have to. I can't, I can't continue to function the world without hitting people. I lose my fucking mind. Well, you could always be uh, a coach. You could always, you could always teach other people to be like you. No, no, I gotta fucking, I gotta get out, man. I gotta go find a mountain somewhere and isolate myself from the general populace. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, at least you're honest. See, you're, you're a very self-aware guy. I like that about you, Sean Strickland. Well, you're in the main event oh, this man. weekend, <laughs> taking on Uriah Hall. It's funny, I was driving, I was driving the other day, and somebody, like, blocked, two cars blocked the road, and I, like, I honked, I stopped, and I was, like, I looked at him, he was, like, an older guy, and I was, like, fuck, man, just drive away, Sean, I drove away, and I was telling, like, telling somebody that, like, I'm a predator, right, and, like, to me, to hurt that man would be, like, a lion eating a snail, it's, like, again, he wanted it, but, and I, if I was hungry enough, I would fucking do it, I would fucking do it, and enjoy it. But I'm not that hungry, so I drove away. And that is why I'm vacating society. <laughs> All right, Sean. Well, we look forward to seeing you in the main event this weekend. Yourself, Uriah Hall. Should be a great fight. Uh, hope that you can continue to stay undefeated at middleweight. Uh, thanks a lot for your time and appreciate it. All right. Have a good one, man. I'm now joined by the former UFC flyweight champion, Nico Montano, who will be in action this weekend against Wu Yanan. You've moved up to the bantamweight division uh, what do you like about weighing in at 135 pounds? I know that the the weight cut to 125 was a little bit rough. Yeah, um, I you know I did all of my amateur fights at 135. I did majority of my pro fights at 135, so I'm comfortable here. And you've been uh, out in Las Vegas training at Syndicate. Uh, how long have you been in Las Vegas for? Uh, since right before quarantine, actually, I moved here and then we were trying to get a camp going and I remember everyone had to shut down for a bit. So, and how are you enjoying living in Las Vegas? It's good. You know, I, um, I, uh, live in Mount Charleston, so it's not technically Vegas. Um, but I do like the, uh, how close syndicate and the PI are. Um, there's just a lot of places to go in terms of jujitsu and, MMA here so it's been fun and the recreation out here I mean I haven't I didn't know that the uh outdoor scene in Vegas is is alive <laughs> where is Mount Charleston Mount Charleston's about an hour due northeast nope northwest of Vegas so which state is it in technically it's in Nevada but I think it's actually it might be closer to the California border Okay, so you commute, uh, you know, about over an hour each day to uh, to do training. About an hour, yeah, yeah. You and know, how you is, get to how... sleep at altitude and wake up with the birds and in the trees. So I like it; it's familiar to me. And what made you decide to move from uh, New Mexico? Um. So when I had to pull out of my Macy Chasen fight due to my MCL tearing. I uh, had to get some recovery and some PT work somehow, somewhere. And um, the UFC Performance Institute um, Physical Therapy Department, are they're really good about making sure that we're going to be 100% for our next fight. And it was going to take a lot of recovery. So I just kind of, um, you know, made sure I did what I could put in the time for that recovery. And that consisted of, you know, me being here in PT every day. So I figured the move would be the best situation, best case scenario. Well, no matter what happens in your career, you will be the first uh, native UFC champion uh, representing the Diné and Chickasaw nations. Um, but how satisfied are you with your career though? And wh what are you looking to accomplish from here? Um, you know, I can't really get frustrated with anything. I mean, I, I am for sure. These last, this last year has been pretty rough. I had to pull up for my NCL pull out due to my coach having COVID, then me having COVID, then me getting a concussion. So it's just been a roller coaster ride, but you know, everything happens for a reason. I truly believe that. And I've been putting in all of my efforts, um, my honest, you know, 100%, 110% every single day to uh, get to where I want to be. And, you know, the outcomes aren't up to me. So I'm just going along for the ride and getting, uh, 
bringing awareness i think in uh, in the meantime i'm doing these projects on the side i have a utilities business back on the res that i've been working on um i learned not to put all my eggs in one basket when it comes to mma so i've been uh trying to figure out how to stay motivated in helping the Diné people and um indigenous people uh through different different resources like i said i have a utilities business so that's going to be we're picking up projects on the res to help out with like schools and everything. And um, I just want to make sure that I'm still helping out my people in some way. So, you know, through all of this craziness, through this roller coaster ride of fighting and having to pull out of fights, I'm able to uh, figure out, you know, my plan B's. So that's been a lot of help. I've also been doing projects on, um, on uh, I guess like missing and murdered indigenous women because we're, it's crazy when you look at the statistics, how much more we're, uh, we're, we're targeted for missing, um, for kidnapping and, you know, stealing uh, children. So I th I've been doing these uh, anti, I haven't like, I haven't named it yet. So this is where I'm at with this project. I've done a couple of um, self-defense um, seminars up in rural parts of Alaska because they're the only place that's opened right now. And, you know, me coming from a rural place in the uh, Navajo Nation, I'm more comfortable in these rural areas. So, and I understand that, you know, there's going to be um, not anywhere for these women to go if they're like domestically abused or if they have an encounter of like, you know, being uncomfortable in these tiny communities. So I'm out there trying to help out trying to make them feel confident in their own skin, help them, you know, figure out where their, uh, their, I don't know, I suppose their direction in, um, in life, what they want to do, because sometimes they're just too scared to even go outside these days, you know? So getting their confidence back by having some preventative situations. Um, and so I'm working through that right now. That's, that's something that I would really, really like to get out. Um, eventually well it's certainly uh very important i mean we're i'm in canada and we've we've seen all of these uh news stories lately about mass graves being found um at residential schools and uh it's something that i think that a lot of people have to come to to grips with uh by living on on really what is native land to you know respect the peoples that um are having all of these bad things happen to them continuously and uh, I really do uh, praise what you're doing. I think it's an, a really important initiative. And you talk about, you know, a lot of different women going missing or, you know, and, and the police just not doing anything to help uh, these communities. So it's very important that you're doing this kind of outreach. And I'm, I'm glad to see you doing it. Right. Yeah. Everything's kind of hushed right now just because, you know, we're, it's in the building stages and, I, you know, I'm figuring out a formula. So as soon as I figure everything out, then I'll be able to, like, broadcast it. And as soon as other places open up, I'll be able to help out. We're trying to figure out like Zoom scheduling and stuff for these kind of seminars. But it looks like, you know, it's it's needed. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. Now, before we started this, I, I was excited to speak with you about this documentary that's been made about you. But uh, <laughs> evidently, you don't know much about what's going on with it. Aside from, I guess, an article came out today with like a small trailer uh, that is going to be at a Las Vegas film festival. Um, so is there a trailer? I haven't even seen the trailer <laughs> yeah you were telling me you haven't seen the movie there's like a one minute trailer that's out so uh i guess if you're the director of this documentary and you're watching this it would be nice if you you know loop nico into her own project yeah right my name's all <laughs> over it and i have no idea what it's about i don't know where it, the direction it's going i don't know anything about it i asked for a link like i said and nothing i'm just ghosted right now and this was all documented uh, 17, 18, 19, 20, 24 years ago. So, who, I, you know, I have no idea. <laughs> well, I remember being um, at your uh, the fight. I think it was in Dallas that you were supposed to uh, be facing Valentina Shevchenko. And I remember arriving at Wayans. There was an ambulance there. Um, how hard? I mean, what happened during that weight cut and that, that people don't really know about? It seems like it was um, just a really dire situation for you at the time. Yeah, you know, it was... Um kidneys were shutting down and it was just a hard weight cut it was um I mean you know I did everything I could sometimes my body like the same body that cut to 125 throughout the show 
just was doing it and then all of a sudden it stopped so bodies are crazy <laughs> science is science is key um and so also you know moving here is going to be helpful for me to move in a in a direction where it's more healthy for me to be cutting weight regardless of you know if it's 35 or 25. um i hated you know i hated that i went out like that because i didn't even i found out on, on instagram looking scrolling through my instagram that the belt was taken away so you know i i definitely have a I don't know. I mean, it's always in the back of my head that I want to do that. And seeing Sarge make weight this weekend was inspiring and motivating. I talked to her. We ran into each other at the PI. She's like, it's taken me about a year to really stay on track with everything. So hearing her words is very, you know, inspirational and motivating just in just being healthy. You know, um, I think this transition period from Albuquerque to New Mexico, moving to a whole new camp and having to trust in a whole new corner is is pretty tough in itself. So I'm just, I think just being able to focus on moving forward in my progressions is what's going to really um, help me out in the long run with, uh, you know, with all of this, with all of it being connected. And Sarge made 125. And I mean, you mentioned her, she actually had the same situation as you did against Valentino when she was supposed to face you. So it's, uh, it, exactly. it is nice to see her make it in a healthy fashion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can only move forward from here and I got to, stop thinking about what was in the past. Like I said, what's meant to be, it's, you know, meant to be, and we'll see what comes. <laughs> well, looking to the future, is 125 something that's still on your mind? Is something you'd like to do before the end of your career? I'd like to, if I can get there, you know, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hope for impossible things. If my body's gonna be reacting properly to the training and the diet, I know it's gonna take some, a lot of time. Like I said, Sarge said it took about a year for her. So I know it's going to take some time and patience. And so I'm just going to keep on that same path and we'll see what happens. Well, you mentioned the science. I feel like a lot of people don't understand the differences between cutting weight uh, that men and women face, that women have a lot more intangibles that go into being able to cut weight in a healthy fashion. Are you able to shed some light on that? Because uh, I think that it's a subject that doesn't get uh, spoken about enough. Yeah, um, I mean, Um, yeah, it's way more difficult um, for women to cut just because of our, you know, our, the science behind it. Um, I, I mean, like the bloating is a thing. Uh, sometimes I'll get up to like six to eight pounds over my actual weight just because it's, uh, you know, my premenstrual cycle. So it's I know it happens to the majority of females here and especially if your weight cut falls on like that week then it's going to be way way tougher for your body to want to give up that um that that liquid so I feel like that plays a big that plays a big big part in weight cutting especially if you're a female who has to make a big weight cut um also like I said your body I mean our bodies are just it's the same body, but they it reacts differently every single time. After the show, my metabolic rate went way down. And then I just kept getting sick and sick and sick. So that's when I had to get my tonsils out. And, um, you know, it, it's still just been a roller coaster of trying to get my body to react properly to the fuel that I'm feeding and the workouts that I'm doing and the water that I'm putting in, even regard out of, like, a PMS week. But our, uh, it's just our biology is just like way different than men, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's tough, but I think, uh, the more, the more we do it and the, uh, and the lower, like the more you, a person, the women walk around at their same weight class will be, um, will be better. Like, I know that the UFC is getting rid of the 145 division and that just like breaks my heart because there's a lot of girls that I see who are walking around closer to 145 than they are at 135 and now they're going to have to make that big cut to 135 and i know it's not going to be the best for their health in the long run but that's going to be their only shot if they want to have the ufc behind them that's the first i've heard of them shutting down 145 and you heard that from somebody uh it's kind of just going around you know i don't know how true it is but uh it's not like said i don't know i'm not i'm I think it's set in stone just because I haven't seen a 45 fight be scheduled 
since I've heard it. Yeah, I mean, Felicia Spencer fought at 145 in her last fight, and I think that might be it. I mean, I, they, it's not like they've been signing a lot of people to, to fight at 145 pounds, and everybody that they had on the season at 145 pounds moved down to 35. So uh, there you have it. Exactly. And then uh, I know Irene Aldana just missed weight at 145. So females like her, I know it's going to be tough a tough career, but, you know, it's, uh, it's the name of the game. <laughs> All right, Nico. Well, thank you for doing this. Uh, best of luck against Wu Yanan this weekend, and uh, always appreciate your time. Thank you very much. We'll see you, Aaron. A huge thank you to all of our guests today. Patricio Pitbull, AJ McKee, Sean Strickland, and Nico Montano, who, all of whom will be fighting uh, this Saturday. So thanks for tuning into this. Uh, very interesting interview, to say the least. So. It was nice getting acquainted with uh, two of the biggest stars in Bellator. Thank you to uh, Bellator MMA for their time. And, of course, thank you to the UFC for Sean Strickland and Nico Montano, all of whom, again, competing this Saturday. We'll be back next week. It's a pay-per-view week. But, unfortunately, the pay-per-view has lost its co-main event. This is the third straight week that the UFC has lost its co-main event. Last weekend, they lost Aspen Ladd and Macy Chasson. This past week, they lost basically three co-main events. It was originally announced that Sam Alvey taking on Roman Kopalov was the co-main event. That then changed to Chris Dawkins and Shamil Abdurakhimov. Both of those fights got canceled on the same day. And then Munir Lazez taking on Nicholas Stolzi was made into the co-main event, and that was canceled basically immediately after. So that is where we're at right now with uh, those particular fights. And we will be losing Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena, which was supposed to be the co-main event on that card. Very, very difficult to see that uh, we're losing that fight. That was the only uh, fight for the uh, for an undisputed title. The main event will be between Cyril Gaon and Derek Lewis. We'll be talking to both of those gentlemen next week. Looking forward to that as UFC 265 takes place in Houston, Texas next weekend. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.